So, you know, to not spend the time figuring out how to be fulfilled and make money doing what you love is really cheating yourself. And if you can do that, why wouldn't you? And people will say all the time that the reason that they're not doing what they love is because they don't have the resources. They don't have the money. They don't have the time. They don't have the contacts. That's not true. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. We have kind of been on a music licensing bent lately because we recently talked with Michelle Lockie, and now I am privileged to talk to Kathy Heller today from Catch the Moon Music, and she also has a course called Six Figure Songwriting. Several of my students in the Female Musician Academy have taken her course, and I know a lot of people in our community I've seen are also in her course. So it comes highly recommended by them. Actually, one of my students connected me with Kathy, and I'm so excited to be talking with her today because we are just so on the same page as far as music business is concerned. Kathy is a busy mom, but she also loves her music-related business. And she and I just talked a lot about how we balance, you know, our kids. In fact, right before this episode is coming out, a couple weeks before she had a baby. And we do mention that a little bit in the interview. Um, so she now has three kids and she's balancing this a really well-established music company, a new course, like all the things that she's doing, she just amazes me. And so I sent this interview when I was done off to my editor, Jen, and she came back to me recently and said, oh my gosh, I have to say, I think this is my favorite, which says a lot because Jen is also a musician. And she said, you know, this just made me really want to get involved in Kathy's course, the Six Figure Songwriting course. And so that got me thinking and connecting back with Kathy saying, what can we do to help you guys get into her course? Because right now the course is closed. She only opens it every once in a while and takes new students. And she said, you know what? I'd be willing to open it for your audience and even give them a special $50 off coupon, which is so nice of her. So I have set this up with her. And the only way that you can get into her course right now is if you go through our page, which is at femusician.com slash 061. And there you'll get links that will take you directly to a secret page, which is the only way that you can enroll in six-figure songwriting right now and also get $50 off. Thank you, Kathy. So go to femmusician.com slash 061 if you'd like to take advantage of that. I suggest you listen to this episode. You will see why my editor was so excited and was thinking about enrolling in the course because she just drops value bomb upon gold nugget upon, you know, amazing ideas. Even 
even at the very end when we are saying goodbye, she's still like leaving little nuggets along the way. So be sure and you listen to the whole thing because it is a longer episode, but it's so worth it. And if you want to enroll in her course after that, then just go to femmusician.com slash 061 and jump in. All right, without further ado, here is some information about Kathy Heller. Kathy Heller has become a go-to for licensing music for ads, film, and TV. Kathy has licensed her songs hundreds of times to companies like Walmart, McDonald's, Kellogg's, Hasbro, and shows like Criminal Minds, Switched at Birth, Pretty Little Liars, and more. She has been featured in Variety, Billboard, and LA Weekly. Kathy was asked to speak about music licensing at Berklee College of Music, the Billboard Film and TV Conference, the ASCAP Expo, and UCLA. And now she's offering all that she knows about music licensing to artists who want to learn. Kathy Heller has dynamic, inspiring, in-depth classes that give a step-by-step -step breakdown of how to be a huge success licensing your music. Here's my interview with Kathy Heller. So that's a little information about Kathy Heller. So Kathy, is there anything that's not in your little bio? I know it's only a few sentences that you, you know, is different about you, interesting, a little more personal maybe? Yeah, let's see. I mean, I'm a mom. I have two little girls and I'm actually having a third girl in a few weeks. And I think that that's interesting to note because before I had children, I had this idea that if I wanted to be an artist and a musician, especially if I wanted to be a successful artist, that I couldn't have kids and that I had to make a choice. And that was never going to be an easy choice to make. And I was so delighted that, you know, people come out and still support you and people in the business are so supportive. And I think it makes you more well-rounded. And I think all aspects of your life, when you're feeling fulfilled, you, you only inspire the other aspects of your life. So my music inspires what I do at home. And I think having a, a life at home that feels balanced only makes me more successful. So I think that women should know that they don't have to choose and that you really can figure out the balance. Totally. I love that. And obviously people that listen to this show know that I have two kids and a lot of my guests have kids and it can be done. It's not easy, yeah. but it can be done, right? Yeah. And people used to say, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And I never really understood that. And I used to be the kind of person who would sleep till like 930 every day. And now I'm up at six and um, or sometimes earlier. And it's amazing how you find more energy when you are re feeling rewarded in your life. And the more you have on your plate, the more you are resourceful about knowing how to like manage your time. And so it's, it's definitely, you know, not a walk in the park, but it's completely doable. And I think that balance is really important. I think women should aspire to know that they can be both. They don't have to, you know, cut off one part of themselves in, in order to be successful in something else. Absolutely. So how did you get started in music? I mean, I was always singing. I'm sure you were too. Every single spoon, every marker, every hairbrush was a microphone. You know, <laughs> I was always like music was always what I was drawn to. It was the place that I would go when I was feeling happy or sad. It was the bridge that connected me to feeling alive and expressed. And so I always that was my, my place. And then I didn't know for sure that that would be my career, although I dreamed that it would be. And I grew up doing musical theater and my mom is a piano teacher. So I always had music in my life and always played instruments. And then um, when I went to college, I was thinking about what I wanted to do. And I started thinking about how I really wanted to make an impact in the world. And I thought, you know, 
if I can't do something that really makes me light up while I'm fulfilling, you know, a need in the world, I'm probably not going to be as happy. And I didn't want to take another route. So I said, I'm going to move to Los Angeles and I'm going to pursue being a singer songwriter. And uh, boy, was that a whole eye-opening experience. <laughs> um, the streets are not paved with uh, opportunities like that just where people just open the door for you and you have to figure out how to make those opportunities open for you. And that was kind of a and it initially it was frustrating, but also became very, it was a fun challenge. And uh, thankfully I cracked that code. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, there are, the streets are, are paved with singer songwriters that are that's trying to right. make it. You yes. Know? Yes. That's true. That's true. So, you know, in relation to that, we have a lot of struggling artists listening to the show, which I'm sure you can identify with. Oh, yeah. What, you know, what are some things that happened during that time were there any times that you felt like, oh my gosh, this is just never going to work. I want to give up. I'm going to move back, you know, yeah. and, and how did you push through that? Yeah, of course. In fact, I heard somebody say when I was going through that, um, he said, you know, most people give up right before they succeed. Like they give up a little too soon. And then it's the people who are just about to give up and they hang in a little bit longer and something shifts. And so I definitely had those moments. I felt like, you know, at first when I moved out to LA, I, I could just feel that there was so much possibility in the air. And there is, because if I was living in the middle of the country, I'm not sure if I would be surrounded with as many resources as are available because, as you said, the streets are paved with artists. So I felt something was possible, but I definitely had those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm giving this everything I have. I'm working very hard and I'm spending money on making really good records and I'm working my, you know, I'm working all the hours I have to try to balance day jobs with creating music and, and, and things were just not moving as fast as I wanted. And, and, you know, I was pursuing a record deal because that was all I knew. And my whole life, you know, growing up listening to artists, they had record deals. They were on Arista, they were on Columbia, they were on Capitol. You know, this is who they were. That's what I thought that was the only path I knew to become an artist was somebody is going to swoop me up and find me and give me a team and market me and I will be on my way. And so that's what I was doing. And um, I worked on making great record demos, you know, to submit to record deals. And I wound up having a few offers, actually. I was offered a deal from Atlantic Records. I was offered a deal from Interscope. And I actually started working with both of those companies. And I met really interesting people along the way. And in both instances, I realized it was not going to work. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is so anticlimactic. I've gone through the process of making music that got enough attention that I got meetings, I actually got in the room, got offered a contract, saw a lawyer, you know, did paperwork. And now I'm sitting here going... It's like going to the Wizard of Oz and finding out that he doesn't have any power. I was like, how is it that this is not really going to happen now? Um, because once you get a record deal, you're you're just starting at the beginning of the Monopoly board. You just started to go. You, you're, you're right back to the square one. Um, you don't know if they're going to put out the record. Uh, they don't know if they're going to put out the record. Um, they don't know exactly how they're going to market you, which A&R person you're going to have. And you kind of go through this process of like working on some songs and then it's not really clear which ones they're going to like, if they're going to, and it's all like an option. It's all just like this unknown. Meanwhile, they're owning your masters and your publishing. So 
you get this tiny advance and then of course you pay your attorney and then you pay taxes. So you wind up with very, very little. So you still have to have some kind of job or your parents helping you, which I didn't have parents helping me at the time. So I'm like working, trying to do that. You know what I mean? It didn't make any sense. And then it's all like this, well, maybe we'll use it. Maybe we won't. It's like, okay. And you own it all. So at the end of the day, if they didn't want to use it, where was I going to be left? You know, um, all that work. So thankfully, actually, both of those deals, um, I was able to, you know, disintegrate, walk away from. And uh, I thought, oh my gosh, like I had like that, that moment with when you like are just, you know, driving through the hills and you're looking out at Mulholland and you see the 818, which is like the valley, you know, you see this twinkling lights and you just start to cry and you go, I'm so close. I know I'm like inches away, but I'm so far. I don't know how I'm going to get here, you know? And, um, it's, it's especially hard when you actually get to where you think you want to go and you realize that that's not going to help. And in addition to all the things I just told you business-wise that don't really work so well for artists about record deals, um, it was also a lot of emotional stuff where I was sitting sometimes in meetings and I knew that I was dressing a certain way because I felt expected to. And I knew that the music I was being asked to write was really veering off from what I am about. And I thought, oh, and I'm also going to have to like be in this machine to pay back any advance they give me. And I'm not going to have a say whether I want to do that tour or wear that outfit or do that video. And I really started feeling like maybe I can't do this as a career because where was I supposed to go? I didn't know. Right. You didn't have another option no. in your mind. Uh-uh. Yeah. I mean, that is like the biggest thing that I try to drill into anyone that visits the female entrepreneur musician is you have options. In fact, these options are so much better than the ones that you think you have to take. So much better. <laughs> and I think that that's the thing is that people see these like I think it's a little bit ego driven. We also, it's some ignorance, you know, we don't know what the other options are. We also have this like, oh, I'm going to be on Atlantic records. And like, that shouldn't be the thing that drives, you know, whether or not it's a good business decision or life plan. Um, But I think as a kid growing up, you're like, that's the pie in the sky. And you're right. These other outlets, which I soon figured out, we're going to get into it, obviously, so much better for me as a life plan, as a business plan, as a human being, as an artist, express all of it. Um, it just took being more resourceful. And I think people forget if you are an entrepreneur, and that's a word you've used a few times, you need to be the one who's the CEO of your own business. And you need to keep your foot on that gas pedal and don't relinquish that control you have to be the one constantly driving it. Even when you have the manager, even when you have a licensing agent, how are you being a squeaky wheel and directing those people? They work for you. How are you helping to define your career, your brand, your path? And it, it isn't as easy in your mind as having somebody just do it all for you, but no one really does it all for anyone. In fact, when I go to see someone at the Greek theater or the Hollywood bowl, and of course they have immense innate talent, That's not the first thing I think. The first thing I think when I see Justin Timberlake is like, he works so hard. That's what I think. He is an entrepreneur. That guy is pushing and pushing and coming up with ideas and churning things out and pitching and selling. It's all being a business manager. Like that's what he's doing. That's what Taylor Swift is doing. Like you're having to constantly think ahead. Um, And that's what it takes. No one's going to do that for you. Really? No. Yeah. And if they do most of the time, then you're completely out of what's happening and who knows what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like so many artists, they don't, they're not aware 
of what's going on behind the scenes because they haven't taken the reins on their own business. And then, oh, what do you know? Like fun, funds are missing or, you know, or, or someone's, you know, sold your rights away and, and had you sign something you didn't know what you, you read. Totally. And I also think it's really, you know, dangerous because a lot of artists, they say it's a music business, but instead they act as if it's a hobby, but you need to have a business plan because what if you do, as you just said, and not only are they making decisions that you don't love, but now what if financially, because you relinquish this control, you don't even wind up making any money from it. I have friends who were licensing music on their own as indie artists, signed record deals. And then once the record deal has an ownership of their publishing, they never clear anything. So if Grey's Anatomy now wants to use a song, they're like, oh no, you know, now there's a precedent because this artist is part of this bigger, you know, label. You can't have the song for less than 20 grand. And the TV show says, well, we don't pay that. So they say, okay. So then the, you know, and even if they did, the artist wouldn't even get to recoup a part of it because of the way the deal is structured. So you really have to have a business plan. And it, it might it might take a little bit of work in the outset to, to think smart and figure out what do I want? Where am I going? How do I want this to look? And what is the what am I what's the end? How do I begin with the end in mind of how I want this to be? But once you're working more on your business as opposed to in your business and you're just caught up in somebody else's um, sort of like flow of the ocean, you want to sort of be the one looking at the big picture all the time and thinking ahead and having a good strategy. And that's where I think for licensing, I figured out early on how to do that and how to work strategically so I can work smart. And, you know, part of it had to do with all the things we just said, not giving up control, knowing where I wanted to get to, not having not relying on someone else to lead me, but figuring out how to do it. So I could be a squeaky wheel too. So what was the event that kind of made this switch in your mind that like, you know, no, I'd rather be an Indian. I'd rather be in control of myself. And, you know, did that occur first in just your own music career or did you, did that occur because you decided to go the route of licensing? Yeah, no, it, it occurred first in terms of my career. Sorry. Um, it occurred first because what happened was you know, I went through that whole process with the, with the, the record deal stuff. And then, so I moved out here in 2004 and then in 2007, I was getting tired and seeing that that was not going to be a really viable path. So I was feeling, I was having that low moment. And then very soon after I saw, um, indie artists licensing their music. I went to a learning annex, um, workshop and Alexandra Patsavas, who's now one of the I would say most influential music supervisors. She runs the Chop Shop and they do Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and Private Practice and she's created her own record label. Um, she was at that time doing music for that show, The O.C. And, oh, I remember that show. Yeah, and it was really instrumental. It was one of those shows, Dawson's Creek, The O.C., One Tree Hill. Were, yeah, Party of Five, like all kind of those. Yeah, these were the shows that were using indie artists and they were they were helping indie artists gain exposure and then the indie artists would have these songs on this show and next thing they knew they were you know creating a career out of these licenses so i heard her at the learning annex in a small little room you know now when i see her speak she'll do like the keynote at the billboard film and tv conference and i'll be in the green room because you know i'm on some panel but she's like the keynote for a thousand people this was like a small little room in an office building for like 50 people and she was like yeah i work on the oc and Music licensing wasn't what it is now. And I was like, this makes a lot of sense. And then subsequently, I saw Ingrid Michaelson that same year on the cover of Billboard. And she was talking about how she had gotten her songs in Grey's Anatomy. And then she had a song in an Old Navy commercial. And she started seeing money coming in, like real money. And then 
she would go to play a show at her same little stomping grounds in New York City. And instead of 30 people coming, there would be a line around the corner. And she said to the woman at the front door, who were they here to see? And she said, you. And she said, what do you mean? She's like, well, your song's been in the old Navy spot. That song went from the old Navy spot. It went to the radio because people were so um, interested in it. People were looking for it and, and it went to radio. And then people on American Idol started to cover that song. And that song sold records for her. And then people started using her more on TV shows. And then she had this license and she could see a direct correlations between her song being on Old Navy or her song being on Grey's Anatomy. And then she sold 300,000 records and she was making all this money having so much fun. It was all being channeled by this engine, which was licensing. So I read that. I heard Alexandra Patsava speak. That was all within the same year. And I said, that makes so much more sense. And I don't need a record label to do that for me. I just need to have the right music and I need to get the music to the right people. So I started asking myself, well, how the heck do I do both of those things? And I figured it out. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny how just sometimes those little tiny experiences kind of put you on this like rabbit trail and then you're like, Oh, you know, I can look into it. And then you start finding all this information about it and this whole new world opens up. Absolutely. And yeah, it just sounds like that really shifted your focus and shifted your mindset into something that was super successful for you. So how did you, how did you then move from learning all that to start pitching and, and, you know, what were kind of your first big successes? So I started asking myself, you know, everything comes down to asking yourself the right question and being resourceful. And like you said about when I was asking you before we started the podcast today, like, how did you start, you know, your podcast and everything else? It's about being resourceful, looking for where there's a problem and how you can solve it for other people, which is also, you know, what successful people do instead of looking for opportunities they look for how to solve a problem. So my problem I tried to answer was how would I help music supervisors um, with their job by showing up with the right songs and not only having the right songs creatively, but having them easy to clear. And so I started doing research and listening to what was being used in certain TV shows, what was being used in certain movies and what was being used in ads. And I started finding consistencies and there were certain kinds of themes lyrically that were being written about a lot. And I thought, well, those are like themes I would write about anyway, like count on me. Hmm, that's very interesting. That, I mean, it's so cool with licensing, how many ways you can make income. Oh my God. That you might not even realize, you know? Absolutely. No, it really is. And what I love about licensing is the idea that it is a license. It's not that you're selling the song. You you are giving someone the right to use it, which means it's a it's a income that just keeps coming back to you every time you give somebody that right. So you own this music, which is now um, it's an it's it's a commodity. So I've licensed songs of mine. Like I have a song called "Let Your Color Shine," which I've licensed to KFC, Keurig Coffee, and Walmart, and a bunch of movies and TV shows. It's one song. Wow. And I, I mean, yeah. Well, all the income that comes out of that one song is just amazing. Yeah. And then in addition, you wind up finding fans who hear your song in in Kellogg's or Walmart or, or McDonald's and, and then they buy your record. So that winds up, you know, being another source of income. And then when you want to play a show, there's more. And it's just an incredible source of driving so much momentum from exposure to financial success. It's like, for me, it's like working smart as opposed to getting in a van and going around the country. 
well, what if you play your song on a McDonald's spot and 2,000 people hear it every single, you know, sorry, not 2,000 people, but it plays 2,000 times a week, right? And so it's playing for millions of people every every week. Um, that's a that's a better way to then, you know, like I said about Gerd Michelson, that was a better way for her to like figure out her touring was to work smart, work from the top down. Yeah, that makes total sense. So do you... Do you do all this pitching directly yourself? Do you have any entities that are helping you with the pitching? And my other question is, do you ever give up your publishing or do you always keep that for yourself? So, yeah, those are great questions. When I started out, I had people pitching me and I was, you know, writing to people at licensing agencies and finding people who I thought were um, really good at what they did and enthusiastic and hardworking who also were working on the kinds of projects that would be good for me. And I was reaching out to them, being a squeaky wheel, and I finally found a few people along the way. So each contract was exclusive, but I would have one for two years. When that would end, I went to another person for two years and then a third person. So for six years, I had people pitching me. And within the first, after about three years of that six years, I started asking those people if they would let me pitch on my own at the same time. And so um, I started pitching simultaneously alongside them. Um, and it was slow going at first because I was, um, I didn't have that business built. I didn't have those relationships. People weren't just thinking of me every day and asking me for requests for music. I had to make relationships. I had to build trust. And so usually my licensing agent would say, yeah, go ahead. If you want to go ahead and, you know, reach out, you're helping us do our job. Just let us do the paperwork. We'll still get our commission. We'll do the paperwork for you. But at least, you know, if you want to be creating those relationships, which is really the whole thing anyway, go ahead. So I actually started doing pretty well. (laughs) And then I would be referring those people um, to my licensing agent and they would get commission. And uh, after a while I said, I don't, I don't need to do this anymore. I'm going to do it on my own. Um, And so I started doing it completely on my own. And uh, then I started reaching out in a very, with a lot more energy behind it. Cause it was just me, you know, at the helm. And uh, I started making my inroads to figuring out how to contact music supervisors at agencies, how to get them the right stuff, how to get them the clearance part of it worked out, how to build trust with them so that they would start including me when they needed music. And then a, a big article was written about me. A full page article was written in billboard in 2013. That's when other artists read that and said, would you pitch me too? So then that was a big, uh, I didn't think that that was going to happen, but what that was a result of that article is that people said, wow, it was an article actually, the, the title of the article was Writing Her Own Check, and it was in an issue called Triumph of the Indie Hustle, and on the cover was Mac Lamore, and then everybody inside the issue was a person who was doing something completely DIY, and um, that was amazing and awesome to have like a full page story with a picture of me and everything, but then I didn't, I didn't even think that people would say, oh, well, you pitch me too, and I, I hesitated at first. And then um, I saw it as a huge opportunity. And then I started a licensing company called Catch the Moon Music. I started signing artists, pitching them, helping them figure out how to do the research. They were like my first students, helping them create the right songs. They started getting six figures a year. And I went, okay, this is so cool. And then last fall in August, Variety wrote a full page story about like all this work that, you know, I was able to generate. And, um, you know, we did dozens of ads you know, um, and, and, and I don't know, 
40 or so placements a year film and TV. It was just wound up becoming very big and fun. And um, yeah, and then I started teaching it and now helping other artists as well. But um, I, I do it now myself. And so, no, nobody else is helping me. And I also, um, I do keep my own publishing to answer that last question. I don't give away, I don't have a publishing deal. I've kept it the whole time. Do you think when people are at the stage you are at at first, where they're having other people administrate their deals, do you think they should still always keep their own publishing? Or do you think sometimes it's worth it to give that away if you've got someone that really has influence? I think, yeah, I think that that's the case. I mean, I think there's other ways to give them something rather than publishing, but I think that a hundred percent of nothing is nothing. So if Mm -hmm. you feel like a person is so good at their job and so excited about you, so they're going to wake up and legitimately push every single button they can to get you going and that they can do it. Why would you not want that for a small period of time? However, there's ways to incentivize that person without giving them your publishing. You know, you could just give them a really nice split of commission. Um, You could also let them be an admin, you know, maybe, but to give them perpetuity of the song itself, I don't know why that would be like the first thing I would go to. Um, But there are times where companies will say, if we help you create custom work, like we call you know, we get a call from an ad agency and then we call you and say, okay, they need a song. The hook has to be about going out on the road and they want it to have this kind of BPM. I mean, maybe that's where you would give them publishing if they were helping you create a song. But if they're just pitching songs for you, there's got to be other ways to incentivize them, I would think. And, and yeah, at that point, I would, I would give away chunks of stuff um, you know, if I felt like they were going to really bring something to the table for a short period of time, but the publishing, I feel like you'd have to really think that this was going to be, you know, it because they're going to own a piece of that song forever. So, yeah, that makes, that makes total business sense to me. So I know you have a course called six figure songwriter. And I think, you know, when people first look at that, they're like, Seriously, like really, you can make yeah. six figures from songwriting. Yeah. So how do you bridge that that gap of people going to be going like, oh, is that for real? Yeah, because obviously you are a six figure songwriter. You're a multi six figure yeah. songwriter. So, yeah. How do you kind of get them on that mindset? Yeah, I mean, I know if someone would have said that to me, I would have been like intrigued. But really, is that possible? You know, because there's very few ways right now for artists to go make six figures with their music, especially if they're unknown. Um, I mean, there's a couple things. First of all, you know, as, as far as I go personally, there's been articles about me in Billboard and Variety that have printed what I've made. Okay. So actually that was a little bit, my husband was like, oh my God, I can't believe they put this in writing, uh, <laughs> but they did. And you know what they need to, because the, they need to be able to show, um, they need to be able to verify that this is what it is. And that's also what's making the article so impressive. And that's what impresses all of us about any mentors. You want to see that they actually can do it, right? So the the evidence is there. And then people obviously can Google and and see all the ads I've done. Um, And if they don't know, maybe they're just not aware that ad agencies are spending. And to them, by the way, it's not a lot of money because for a known artist, they they might give them $200,000 um, every time they use a song or more. So for an indie artist, giving them 25 to 65 grand for a song, not, you know, for the use of the song, 
again, the use, not the ownership of it. Uh, they don't even think of that as a ton of money, but uh, ads pay really well. And TV and film, you can make in general between 3000 and 8000 every time you place your song. So sometimes, you know, most years I'll do between, you know, 20 and 40 TV spots. And then I'll do like between four and 12 ads and do the math. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, people just don't know. It's, it's just, they, they have to um, start to learn about an area um, of, of financial wealth and that they just don't know about. And, and that, it, that those are the numbers. Um, I don't do any ads that are, you know, I, I don't have ads coming in that are like $500 or a thousand. I don't even know where those are. And I don't have TV. I mean, I'm sure there are TV things like that out there on cable, but those are not the ones I do. Um, I just don't even get asked for those, you know, the, the place that I'm in. And th this is not even like super fancy. And this is what I tell people. This is what's so awesome and invigorating. You don't even know me and I'm able to make this much money. So think about how much opportunity there is. Like, I'm not the only person. My friends in Los Angeles who I've come up with over the years who also do licensing, they all own houses also in Los Angeles. Like we we all own houses that are like a million dollars. And, and, and we've done this. And most of us are, you know, we're indies. We have some following, but we're, we're pretty unknown and we're all doing it. It's not just me. It's not just Kathy Heller. And then I've taught this to other artists, right. And they've, they've gone ahead and done it. And there's been testimonials that they've put up about, you know, what, how much money they've made from working with me. So it definitely is, exists. And, um, I think that once people start to understand, um, I guess, you know, there was a Time Magazine article that said $2.5 billion was spent last year on music alone for advertising. Okay. So the more you research it, you're going to find the evidence. And now the, the, the trick here though, is that what the hump that most people have to get over is those songs have to be fantastic though. Like, it's not like, oh yeah, you just submit a song, any song, and they're going to pay you. That's not true. What is true is if it's the right song and it's the song that they need and there is a way to figure out how to create those songs, which is what I've been doing and teaching, then yes, you have a very good potential of being able to make that kind of money. So I know that you've you've launched your course this year, right? How, how has that experience been so far? Oh my gosh, Brie, it has been so fulfilling. I swear, I, I'm honestly, I'm so in love with this. I've been teaching, you know, over the last few years, I've been asked to speak on panels at the Billboard Film and TV Conference and the ASCAP, ASCAP Expo and UCLA. I flew out to Berkeley School of Music. All of those things were like one-offs. They were all great. I then did a workshop in LA this past summer was like a six part series where I brought in music supervisors. And I also talked to the class about my own insights into creating music. And I thought, you know, I'm having a baby. What if I created something that could live online where, for people who didn't live in LA, since I've been in national publications and I've been exposed, people have been emailing me. And I thought, what if I was able to provide something for someone who lives in London or Japan or Belgium? And, um, or Nashville or someone who can't meet me. And I said, I'm going to create an online course. And so I created these, um, slideshows that have audio and I go into detail. It's like hours of content. And in addition, if you're part of my class once a month, I do a webinar just for people in the class. And then twice a month, I do a private Q and a for people in the class. And so I'm really helping you have a business plan, have a strategy that works and then figure out where to focus your attention every day that that's going to actually turn into something and from soup to nuts, how to write the right songs, how to get them to the right people um, and how to hone your craft. And you're learning from someone who's 
I'm pretty inspired by it and, um, and I've done it. And I also have a licensing agency. So if people are fantastic, what winds up happening is sometimes I wind up signing these artists. Um, cause I do now get these calls. I mean, I just did three licenses this morning before you and I spoke. One was for a living spaces ad, um, which starts running on Monday. And another one was for a movie that I just did with a great music supervisor, Gary Calamar, who did the show house and Dexter. And it's a movie we just licensed a song to. And then, uh, we just did a third one for an ad that's going to be running in Australia. Um, that's just today, but I'm the one now getting these requests. So, I think I'm I'm a good person to help people really get inspired, get clear um, about what they need to do. And then, you know, I'm actually doing both sides of it. Yeah, it's clear that you know exactly what to tell them to do, how to learn <laughs> to create the songs. I mean, I think that is number one hurdle that you can really help them out with. Obviously, you've cracked that code. Do you find that your students are often scared off from licensing because of the whole contract administration side of it. Cause I know for me, that just sounds yucky. Like I don't want to do that. You mean, <laughs> how do you, how do you handle a licensing that? agent? Well, so you, do you recommend that nobody does their own paperwork that you actually sign with the licensing agent or administrator that handles all that? Yeah. Well, you really have to because the ad agencies and the, um, the film and TV music supervisors, they have trust issues. And so until they trust you, which is a amorphous thing, you don't know how long that would take. Uh, they're not going to just want an indie artist to talk to directly and then send them a contract because if an artist is well-meaning, but doesn't understand how to clear the song, let's say they think they own it hundred percent, but really they only own the master hundred percent and they own half the publishing because they had a co-writer and that co-writer has a publishing deal, even with a small publisher and they went ahead and cleared it. They, this TV show can get sued for not asking that other person who owns the rights to that half of the publishing. There's been so much money spent on these lawsuits. In fact, Omnicom, which is a huge conglomerate that owns tons of ad agencies. They own BBDO, which is a chain and DDB. I've worked with both of them on tons of ads. Um, they own thousands of offices. They had to pay, I don't even know if I'm at liberty to say, millions and millions of dollars basically in lawsuits for music, which is not even what they do. Music is in post-production after they've come up with a campaign, they've shot it, they've got it all done. They just need to drop a song in. And sure enough, that is such a confusing aspect of this business that if somebody signs rights away, someone might call up a few months later and say, you use my song and you never cleared it by me. Oh, well, we use so-and-so. Yeah. Well, she doesn't own the whole song. You have to have an understanding of how to control and own that song. So your licensing agent knows what that's about and you can burn a bridge very easily because you were well-meaning and you just didn't know they're not going to come back. They could lose their job in addition to being sued. So I would say, yes, you need to have a licensing agent, but there are ways of vetting and finding out who's a good licensing agent. Ask the people that are on their roster. Do you like working with them? Are they getting you stuff? And then look at the, look at the contract. Is it five years? That's a long time. How about 18 months? How about, um, you know, what's the percentage? Are they taking 50% plus publishing? Or are they taking 30% and no publishing? There's ways of signing contracts that are going to work in your favor. And then yes, you have now somebody who can handle all the clearance because it's like a lawyer. It's like a legal job to do that part. And I got lucky because my husband is a lawyer. He works at Fox TV. And so he does license rights. Okay. Not for music, but for lots of other things. He understood it enough. So when we've been together nine years, 
Um, he was early on looking things over when I had someone else doing it for me. And then I was able to understand it while I had a licensing agent, but I was like able to like watch over their shoulder. And then when I started my own company, um, I had some name recognition because people had been pitching me for a while. Um, and I also had, I had an in-house attorney, literally. Um, so, <laughs> literally. Yeah. So I knew I wasn't going to burn any bridges. That I think that is going to be such a relief to people listening to this. Like, I don't have to handle this stuff and I shouldn't be. In fact, it'd be a really bad idea yeah. to handle all the, be. all the legal stuff. It would be because the, the, it, it comes down to being a contract and there's terms and they can look scary, but as long as things are, there's a few things in there that are, are the correct things. You, there's nothing to be scared of. You just have to kind of know what things to look for in terms of perpetuity, exclusivity, rights. Um, you know, there's a few things to look at. And the rest of the contract is just like legalese. Right. So I'll definitely put a link in the show notes of this episode to your six-figure songwriter course. Do you want to give them just a little snapshot of what it's like to be in your course and, and what they can expect? Yeah. You know, in fact, the course enrollment had closed, but I knew I was going to be talking to you. So I said to myself, I'm going to open it for a period of time for those people who listen to your show, to your podcast. Um, I'm going to open it for them. So that's exciting because other people are like, I want to get in. I'm like, oh, we've closed it. But for you guys listening, it's open um, for, you know, a period of time after you hear the show, um, you guys should sign up. And, um, if you want to sign up and you want to find out more about it, Brie will post a link. And basically this is a class, like I said before, it's going to teach you from soup to nuts. It's going to give you a day to day understanding, a plan, a calendar, a business model. So I literally have made a calendar inside that you can download. It's a PDF. It's a 90 day creation calendar. And it tells you like, here's where you, these are the kinds of research you should be doing. This is the kind of lyrics you should be focusing on. Here's what you bring to your co-write. Here's what you bring to your producer session. The entire idea of this is to help you create the right songs for licensing, to understand what kinds of things you need to have in mind, understand how to make the time most efficient with your writing, with your co-writer. Then when you go to the studio, what kinds of references to bring to your producer to make sure you hit that bullseye. And then I also help you figure out how you're going to wind up getting those songs to the right people, what licensing agents to reach out to, how to break through the noise, how to get them to hear, you know, to, to, to take notice of what you're doing. And I talk about being a squeaky wheel and being politely persistent because I did it. So I know you can do it too. Um, and I give you a lot of insight since I'm working on these ads, the people in the course use, in addition to all the slideshows, which you watch that have audio, You'll be seeing me online three times a month. And I will tell you, I just got off the phone. I'm working on a show. They need a song like this. I'm working and I, and that will give you much more direct insight. Like this is the kind of stuff she needs. And in, there's also a closed Facebook group, which is just for the members of the course. And I have my assistant who helps me pitch music and she's also helping patrol the site. So we're there to support and to answer questions. And I hope, and I'm certain actually, I don't just hope, I'm certain that if people apply themselves, this would be the plan. I've watched other artists learn from me, go ahead and then start making six figures a year who I now represent because they're doing what I'm telling them to do. And we've gotten T-Mobile and Payless, and we just did another spot for another artist that we licensed at the beginning of this week. And it's constant. So um, you need, you know, in order to make something happen, you need to take massive action and you need to know what action to take. So the best thing to do is have a mentor who's already done it and ask them, what was your strategy? What was it? So I've taken everything I've learned in 10 years and shoved it into the class. So instead of you having to spend 10 years 
maybe not even asking the right questions to get you the answers. I've asked the right questions, figured out the answers, and now I'm handing you the answers. And this is the strategy that works. I'm telling you it's worked because it's worked for me and the people I've taught it to. Um, and so if you apply yourself to it, I guarantee that the cost you spend on the class, you'll make it back because one license, you'll make it back in a fraction of one license. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know that that's my, my, uh, philosophy with courses as well is like, I spent 10 years frustrated as a musician. I don't want you guys to have to handle that, you know, come learn from what all my mistakes and, and cut off that, that time period. So I'm so glad that you're mentioning that that is the benefit of taking a course. Yeah. That why should you have to suffer, you know, and go through all the learning curve when you can shortcut that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to have a mentor. I mean, everybody you've ever looked up to in your life, um, they were improving upon, you know, they stand, they stand on the shoulders of giants. You know, we're constantly looking at who's done it before us. Instead of reinventing the wheel, look at what's working, what, what, what isn't working and see how you can now go even further with that. Um, and there's, there's a lot of data out there, you know, and someone like me, that um, someone like me can hand over a plan that that works. And it's it's so fulfilling to me to see artists go from being frustrated and confused to, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm jumping out of bed now. And so many of the people in my class are like, thank you so much. It's also mental. I mean, I do a lot of work in the class, helping people get out of their own way and commit to taking the action because change doesn't happen over time. It happens like that. You have to make that decision to make a different choice. And people will talk so often about how frustrated they are, but what are they actually doing? And you have to take action. So you have to know what action to take. And maybe the reason people hesitate is because they don't know what to do. But if you're in a space where you're being told what to do, and then you actually choose to do it, that's what comes from you. Um, you have to have that state of mind. And anyone who I know who's successful is perseverant. And, and that person who's perseverant they just keep honing their craft and they keep working smart and they stay in it and they will get there. This is not rocket science. This isn't landing on the moon. This isn't, um, you know, curing cancer. These are things that can be done and they've already been done, which shows you evidence that it can be done. So why can't you do it? It comes down to whether or not you're willing to like get in the game, make a move and, and step up for yourself. And artists, I think so easily like put themselves on the back burner. It's like this, um, this is not just a way of making money. You know, this is because this is what you want to do with your life. So, you know, to not spend the time figuring out how to be fulfilled and make money doing what you love is really cheating yourself. And if you can do that, why wouldn't you? And people will say all the time that the reason that they're not doing what they love is because they don't have the resources. They don't have the money. They don't have the time. They don't have the contacts. That's not true. The only resource you need is being resourceful. And if you're resourceful, then you can find you can find out who you need to know. Do the research. You can find out what songs they need. You can find the money. You can structure deals with producers where you don't even pay them up front because you're so enthusiastic and you're so clear about your vision. You show up and say, I'm in this class. This is what I'm doing. I have a game plan, which is so refreshing. And you say, would you split the master with me so I don't have to pay you up front? Or can I pay you a little bit up front? I mean, just being resourceful will get you there every single time. We are all resourceful and we can use that to find those resources there's no good reason why any artist listening to this can't do this. The only reason is going to be if they're not willing to be resourceful, show up, do the work, then yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I know that that's one of the 
you know, the objections people might have like, I don't have the money to record stuff. You know, what you just said is there are ways to figure that out. 100%. Absolutely. And there's so many good producers who just graduated from Berkeley School of Music or who are ready to go and they've got the chops. So if you were to do the research and inform them of how to go ahead and um, position the, the track, right? Cause you, you bring, you bring in this research that I teach you to do in the class and go, this is working and this is working. And here's what I keep hearing. And you have the idea of the BPM, you have the idea of the percussion, any talented producer, they don't have to have a million credits, their name. You can work together on that arrangement and you can bring that research, which will help them go down that road. And, um, you'll hit the bullseye. And again, that's being resourceful because you got to come in with some intel. And that I teach you that in my class. What do you bring to the producer session so you don't just leave it up to chance and throw spaghetti at the wall? How do you make sure that that score, that instrumental track of your song is going to work for a license? How do you begin with the end in mind and know what they need? And once you know what they need, they actually go, thank you. I mean, listen, this is this is why I know this is true. There's no way someone could say to me, oh, the reason your songs have been licensed hundreds of times is because they're the best songs around. I mean, they're good, but they're not. The reason they've been licensed over and over, and some of my songs have been licensed multiple times for national campaigns, is because there isn't a plethora of other songs that hit those moments, that hit those lyrics and hit those cinematic things production-wise. If there was, why would I get them all, all the time? Right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I love what you said about coming into the producer session and having done your research, knowing exactly, because then you can just show them that it's a win-win for you. I mean, like you said, if there's a talented producer who hasn't made a name, you can help them make a name for themselves. They're going to make a deal with you and you don't need to do all this on your own. You can, that's what networking I mean, licensing, really, it's all about networking and relationships, right? It's all about the, I mean, everything in life is about relationships and it's really refreshing to meet a person who shows up and has done the work and has passion and enthusiasm and energy. I work with a producer and a few producers who will say to me, even though they work with like a little bit more well-known people, let's say, because they're at that level, they'll be like, I love working with you because I know when you leave the studio, you're not just going to sit around and listen to the tracks for eight months. You're going to push them. They're going to wind up somewhere. You're so motivated. And I think that that alone winds up giving me a lot of street cred because even if I don't have this like famous name attached to me, um, I think the way that I bring my energy into a room with my co-writer, with my producer, they're, they're, they're inspired. And you know what? They wind up making money because I cut deals with them where I, well, I'll give them like a piece of the master, right? Because that's what they're creating is the master. And sometimes it's up to a cap, right? As opposed to like in perpetuity, but whatever it is, they know I'm going to hustle and they know I'm coming in prepared. Most songwriters are like, what do you want to write about today? I don't know. How about this? All right, let's hope it's a good song. You can't just have a good song. It's got to be the right song and it's got to be fantastic. And guess what? If you know what they want from you and you've studied it, there's a science to achievement. There's a science to what works. You can go into Pinkberry and you'll realize they've gotten rid of certain flavors. There's certain flavors people just keep buying. If you understand the science and you've looked at the data, you'll be like, oh, wow, nine times out of 10, they pick a song with those three things in it. And okay, I can I can figure that out and then make it awesome. You know, you can do that. Okay, so I'm going to speak directly to the listeners now. Listen to what she said. You need to be an action taker and you need to get the formula that is going to take you 
to the right place. And, you know, there's no point in making actions if they aren't the right ones. So obviously Kathy knows what she's talking about and you really can be a six figure songwriter. So I want you guys to go check out her course. Did they go to six figure songwriter.com? It's actually six figure songwriting. Writing, and, um, sorry, six figure songwriting.com. There's, there's a website, www.sixfiguresongwriting.com. Um, and, uh, when you go in there, there's a course, a full course. And then I also once in a while offer listening sessions for a very small group of people, like once in a while, um, where people can pay to have me like critique their songs. Um, but I don't do that ongoing, but that course is in there too. So don't be confused. You'll, you'll be able to read about each course, but the main course is sixfiguresongwriting.com and it's the number six, www.sixfiguresongwriting.com. Um, and you can sign up for the course and, in and you're, it's, it's only open, you know, to people right now who have heard this. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. This has been so great and so informative. I have, I have learned several things during this. So I'm, I don't count myself as a music licensing expert. I've, I've learned a lot along the way, but I've learned a lot today and I know the listeners have. So go to six, number six, figuresongwriting.com and check out all that she has to offer. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. It is such a blessing to meet other people who are working smart, figuring things out, helping provide resources for others, especially entrepreneurs and artists and women. And I'm so inspired by you. I can't believe how much you've created. Honestly, I showed my husband, I was like, this is amazing. And it just goes to prove like when you take action and you look to solve problems for people and you look to be resourceful, you are going to be able to hit it because most people probably have the abilities to do those things and they just don't. And so it's amazing. Actually, I'm actually, I find it so inspiring that by taking some action, you wind up setting yourself apart from the majority of people in your field. In fact, I would say this last thing to songwriters, when you are taking action and working smart, so doing the kinds of things that are smart action that actually are going to wind you up where you want to be, you know, instead of busking on the sidewalk, you know, every single day for eight hours, you stop and go, wait a minute, what would be a better way to go ahead and do this? Right. And not to say you shouldn't do that once in a while if you enjoy it, but I'm saying if you're thinking about how to work smart and especially the way that we're talking about music licensing, you're now not competing with all the other songwriters. You're competing with 0.0001% of the artists who are doing that. And that's why you're going to benefit. You're going to benefit. And that's actually probably true in most industries. People like phone it in. They don't really do their job. Um, maybe they don't have the certainty. I want you after this call, when you just heard Brie and I talk, I want you to have a sense of certainty that this is possible. Because if you know and you have certainty that it is, now it's just up to you to start getting in the game and taking that action. So I hope that you will. And I'll be here if you need a mentor. And I'd love to have you in the class. I also provide free content. Often, um, I have a, a Facebook page called Six Figure Songwriting on Facebook. You can come and find it, be a part of it. And I post blogs and content and videos and webinars, and you can join that too. But it's been really um, inspiring to be a part of this, Bree. So thank you for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. And I really appreciate, you know, coming from you, what you said about me is just fantastic. I'm, I'm excited about knowing that I'm making an impact in the world. You absolutely are. Thank you. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. 
with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.